Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of our podcast in the pub, or pubcast as we're creatively calling it for now, um, right here at Hatch. It's been a long, long time coming this, um, but we wanted to create a platform where we could talk about all sorts of things really throughout the industry, the sectors we work in, um, get some of our amazing guests and clients in along the way, and ultimately, hopefully, make something that you will enjoy listening to as well. So uh, here we go. The first topic on the menu for discussion this week is inclusivity in sport, um, and in particular, women's cricket. Now, where do we even start with this one? It's something that's incredibly important to all of us here at Hatch. We work with a number of high-profile sports brands, teams, organisations, and it's something that we've spoken about a lot in the past few months um, and through our campaigns last year as well. So I am delighted to say that we have a couple of very special guests with us today to kickstart this podcast in style, or pubcast, sorry, got to get used to that. First up is the wonderful Phoebe Graham, who plays her cricket professionally for the Northwest Thunder, which is a bit of a tongue twister, um, and was of course involved in the 100 tournament last summer, playing for the first time for the Northern Superchargers. If you don't know what the 100 was, have a little listen to this. It's going to be a 100 ball game. There's eight teams from all across the UK. It's going to be fast, it's going to be quick. It's going to be world-class players in every team. Mashing sixes, all about attack. It's cricket like you've never seen before. What more do you want? This is our city. This is our way. This is our game. The 100. So Phoebe, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Now before we get into anything, as this is a podcast in the pub, the very first question I need to ask you is... What is your favourite drink on a night out? Or if you go to the pub, what's the first round you're getting in? Oh, I love an Aperol spritz. But I feel like during the winter, it doesn't make you feel like you're on your holidays as much. So a glass of red in the winter. And then definitely Aperol spritz in the summer. Very nice. Very nice. Great stuff. Um, Okay, well, let's just get right into it then. So inclusivity in sport. I mean, where to even start with this one? I mean, it's, it's a massive, massive subject. And I suppose it makes sense to talk about the 100, really, first up. So for anyone listening that doesn't know what the 100 is, uh, the 100 is a brand new cricket tournament where each team has just 100 balls to score as many runs as they can. Um, it's considered much more fast-paced than the other forms of the game. Um, and it was introduced to encourage younger generations to actually get excited and want to attend the games and become cricket fans themselves. Um, but one of the best things I think about the tournament is that all the matches that were played were double headers, um, so that the women's were played first, followed by the men's on the same day in the same ground on the same wicket. So it's really brought a spotlight on women's cricket and the game, um, and it was actually pretty sensational with some of the the crowd numbers um, that were watching as well. So first of all, Phoebe, how how did you find it playing in the first ever hundred tournament? It was absolutely incredible. It was probably sporting moments that I could never imagine would happen to me as an individual. Um, When I was growing up, there were never any role models as such within cricket or football because the England football and cricket teams weren't ever talked about. They weren't in the media, they weren't in the press. So I only knew about them when I was 16, 17 years old and in systems and cricket systems. So actually to run on the pitch at Headingley in front of 10,000 people with fireworks, live music was just the most incredible moment. Um, 
yeah, it was just something that I'd never ever expected. And I think now for young girls that were watching the cricket and watching England football this weekend, they've got something to aspire to be and players and careers for themselves in the future as well. And what about the crowds? What was it like playing in front of that many people? (laughs) (laughs) To start with, it was just so overwhelming because the 100 was a whole new format. So it was brought, sport brought with entertainment. So the two together, cricket's normally a chilled out sport where you have your cup of tea and you're very, very traditional and you're sat back and you're chilled out. Whereas this time there was literally fireworks as we were running onto the pitch with live music. So... The fans, I think you got used to it and they ended up being, you blocked it out as soon as you were sort of in your zone and in your flow. But initially running onto the pitch, I think a few people were like headless chickens and didn't know where yeah. to look. <laughs> Must have had a lot of like adrenaline as you were just going out there and uh, yeah, in front of everyone. That's incredible really. So what, what do you think the tournament has done for the inclusion within the sport and in particular the awareness of the women's game? I think it's been absolutely incredible from an inclusion perspective because I think before the hard work within the women's game was happening, we were training three, four times a week, but we just didn't have the platform to showcase our skills, our ability. Um, And so it's just gained a lot of respect and traction from our male counterparts, from people and friends that have known I've played cricket for years but never really known what that means Um, so I think it's just been incredible from that perspective of just having a platform to play on and it's given the I think the word is just respect I think um, the opening game at the Oval I think Oval Invincibles versus Manchester Originals just showed how good cricket is and how competitive it is within the women's game and I think it opened a lot of eyes to Um, to the game itself and I guess now that the hundred will be almost doubling you know the salaries for for the women's like how important is that you know bridging the 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 gender pay gap not just in in cricket but obviously in general as well but I guess the hundred being you know a fantastic platform to do that yeah hugely important I think it just makes it more of a sustainable career choice as well to be playing cricket and how it works in the women's game is you get a domestic contract and then your top-up salary is almost your hundred. So that really, really helps from a sustainable perspective. And I think the other thing is, is that it's proved it's worth to draw in audiences. I think there was 267,000 new fans to the game, which is absolutely incredible. And cricket fan base went from 11 million to 13 million. So it's shown how integral it is to put men and women on a platform and showcase their skills across sports so it's been incredible from that perspective and I think yeah the wages reflect how much traction it's gained and then it just makes it much more sustainable career choice for any young girls coming through. Mm. Yeah and I suppose with it all being the double headers as well um, that's obviously driven a lot of people to to get in early, watch the women's game. I actually think I think it was Alex Hartley that was on the radio during the tournament, and she was sort of came up with this concept of, 
or maybe next year. Uh, yeah, I know you're laughing already. Yeah, it's probably she something crazy. She has something. Yeah. Well, she thought she she said, well, why? You know, it's all about inclusivity, and the men's and the women's are both playing for the same team. So you know the superchargers or the welsh fire or the spirit whoever it might be so why don't the results all go into one big table so you don't have a men's and women's tournament you just have a hundred tournament and you know if the the supercharger ladies win they get points for the for the superchargers equally as the men do or you know vice versa so what, what do you think to that <laughs> i absolutely love that yeah. i think that'd be brilliant because what was so nice with the Northern Superchargers is the competitions started off with a barbecue and there was a presentation and it really integrated both teams and it truly did feel like one team mindset. And it was quite funny because we'd won four out of four and the blokes had lost the first Yeah, four. so maybe you don't want to go so, with that. <laughs> originally, <laughs> they were like, the, the Aussie coaches are like, hi girls, keep flying that flag, you're doing, re- you're doing us really proud. Um, and then the tables flipped and the coin flipped, but it was just really nice, that support. And I think if it was in a into a bigger pool, then it would um, make it even more feel like one team. But yeah. no, that I don't mind that at all. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that was one of the things that was great to see as well. You know, the men's team actually coming out and you could see them, you know, watching, watching the ladies and then vice versa as well. Once your matches had finished, you'd always stick around to watch them. So there was a real sense of togetherness, I guess, throughout the whole, all of the teams, not just the superchargers. Um, that's, that's what I saw anyway, and that's what I got. Just moving away from the 100 a little bit then, just tell us a little bit about yourself really and how, how you got into the sport in the first place. And yeah, just tell us a little bit about, about sort of your journey and um, your sort of experiences getting into cricket. So I'm very much from a cricket family. My dad played minor county cricket and I was brought up on the side of the cricket pitch with my two sisters. So he had a sports shop called PC Sports in the local neighbourhood and someone rang him up and said, do you and your three daughters want to come in this, play in this competition? So at half time, they needed young girls to run on and play at a test match. So me and my little sisters put on our green t-shirts, red caps, went and played in the middle. And then from there on, absolutely loved it and played team, team by team really. And it's all cricket's always been dictated by my university career choices and that's why I've played for so many counties <laughs> because <laughs> when I went to Exeter Uni I played for Devon and then was living in Berkshire so played there um so yeah this is the first time that I've actually made a choice for cricket and for what's best for my bowling for my career in cricket which has been really nice and empowering that I've got that choice now as a cricketer yeah, amazing. I guess, so, I was talking about this the other day to one of my colleagues, but there's, it's sort of like when you, obviously when you're younger and you're in school, they just throw you all in together, don't you? And you're playing football, rounders, netball, cricket, whatever it is, all together as one. And then it, it almost gets to a certain age point where they go, right, well, actually, now we're splitting the boys, we're splitting the girls, and, and they have to go and <laughs> play in their own teams and do their own thing. But what do you think is sort of like the most important aspect of of inclusivity from a young age. I think it's just playing competitively and to what feels comfortable to your standard. So 
when I was younger, there weren't any all-girls teams around. So I played in the boys' league and in the men's league, and that was my competitive cricket until I got to my county age group where I was surrounded by girls competing against other girls. So I think the big thing is just making sure you're playing to the right competitive level. And cricket's quite nice in a way that you don't have to... Um, it's not physical, so I can still go back and play men's cricket if that's what I want to increase my well, you got the standard. Best figures, best figures on that, <laughs> that scorecard there from, from 2015 when we were playing. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> what what would you say are sort of sort of some of the challenges that you've had to face then along the way through through your cricketing career? I think it's just not having the systems and structures to train as a professional athlete. So they only came about last year with. Um, two million pounds investment from the ECB in women and girls cricket so they introduced 40 new domestic contracts into the game alongside structures and coaching staff so you could train full-time so even though I've played cricket majority of my life probably from 18 to 29 it was very much a seven-week county season and then go and enjoy the rest of the summer because that's all that was available so the biggest barriers have been it hasn't been there for me to be able to train so even if you wanted to go to international standard there just wasn't the training facilities possible apart from one place which was Loughborough. And what, what do you think sparked that change? What's, what's been the driving force behind it? So they professionalised the game in 2014, mm. where there was 20 England contracts available. And then in 2017, England won the World Cup against India at Lords, and it was a full house. And I think that moment was just so poignant for women's cricket because it just showed if you invest in a product, then the product will be successful. Like if yeah. you take away areas of stress like other work, coaching, and give like give females proper coaching staff and the opportunity to work on that, their skills then it's only going to get better and I think that's what you'll see in the women's game over the next five ten years is it's only going to get better because now you're elevating stresses of working and finances so that we can dedicate our time to the game yeah absolutely no it's really really incredible so I mean how do you think do you think now that the 100 has come into play and it's, it's done everything that it's done, do you think it's almost setting the benchmark for other sports potentially now to almost buck up their ideas and come on, look what we can do you know, with cricket and inclusivity, men's, women's? Why aren't other sports doing that? I hope so. I think in Australia with the Big Bash, they've done it for years and years and it's proved super successful and out in Australia there's over 150 female contracts. So it's very normal to be a professional cricketer in Australia. Um, in the US and basketball, they do something same with the um, WNBL, I think it's called. Yeah. And so I think now it's for the likes of the the FA, the Women's Super League, to really partner with the Premier League to help elevate that platform as well. And it's just shown that there are audiences out there for women's sport as well. It just hasn't been available before. So I think it's quite an exciting moment in women's sport in general because it's now opening up the eyes to people that maybe didn't see the opportunity before that there are audiences out there and there are commercial opportunities and 
as well that there's whole new careers for young girls out there in the future as well. What do you think we can do? I say we, <laughs> this is a very general term, but what do you think we can do to continue to promote inclusivity in sport and sort of keep driving young people of all genders to, to get involved with it? So looking at like a grassroots level, for example. I think the most important thing really is is having those role models and showcasing those role models across brands and within marketing. I think that's so, so important because it's almost like a knock-on domino effect that you don't even know is happening when you showcase that to young people. Um, so, for example, when I went back home to Menston, I saw there was a girls' cricket league that had started and I was on a run and thought, right, I'm going to go and speak to whoever the coach was at the time. So I ran over and was like, how is this even set up? And he said, oh, Lauren Winfield-Hill, who's an England cricketer, came and did a coaching session three years ago and it really inspired us to grow a section. So from that one coaching session, they've got a whole girls and women's section at Menston Cricket Club. And Lauren had no idea. So when I told her, she was absolutely buzzing. But it just shows that importance of the role model and how it can actually inspire not just the kids but the parents to take action as well and I think that's what's so important in brands and marketing at the moment is like that social reward as well as just the reward of purchasing products. Yeah, no, absolutely. What's next for you then? I've started my own business, Tip and Flip, which is all around women's sport being at the tipping point and perceptions need to be flipped in order for women's sport to maximise its potential. So it's a gender equality agency and I've done some talks within businesses and holding workshops to see how you can bring products to life, how you can create change within the workplace as well. So on my days off I've been focusing on tip and flip but cricket I still feel like there's more to give in that space at the moment. So (laughs) yeah. Cool well I actually think that is (laughs) everything that I've got really Um, so I just want to say a massive thank you so much for you know coming in and and speaking to us today Um, really really appreciate it Um, and no no anytime and uh, yeah good luck with everything thank you we'll uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for you um, throughout the season so yeah thank you very much great thank you very much Matt So a massive thank you again to Phoebe there for that. Now, we did promise you two guests. So uh, hopefully joining us on the line now is Katie George. Katie is another young female professional cricketer. Um, She played for the Welsh Fire last year in the 100 tournament. Katie, thank you for joining us. Let's get straight to the important pubcast question. What's your go-to drink on a night out? I mean, I've just had the uh, Western Storm Christmas party and we did a bit of cocktail making. My my strawberry daiquiri is up to scratch. It was, um, but yeah, probably a cocktail. I'm impartial to a good gin, good gin and tonic. Yeah, you can't be a good G&T, especially after work on a Friday uh, or Monday through Thursday either. Now, obviously we're talking about inclusivity in women's sport and the game. You also played in the 100 tournament last year, Katie. What was that like as an experience for you? Yeah, definitely this topic hasn't been more relevant, I don't think. with the 100, I don't think with COVID, anyone knew quite what to expect. But in terms of you know, of it happening, it was a huge success. And I think it beat anyone's expectations, even the most optimistic of people, I think even, even bettered that. Um, playing it, it was, it was, inc- it was incredible. Um, getting to play double headers with the men 
um, you know, bringing the crowds in, you know, towards, half, you know, halfway through the games, they were getting pretty full and, you know, they got a little bit rowdy, which personally I, I relished. It was great fun. Um, and then on the field, I think, you know, the standard of cricket was incredibly high. Um, you know, there's some really good cricket and it was, it was a pleasure to be a part of. You touched on the double headers there, which I think is really, really interesting. And I mentioned it earlier as well. You know, the hundreds has been driving record numbers of crowds to the women's game as well as the men's. But just how important was that decision to actually have both games on the same day? I think it gave, you know, the women's game massive exposure. Um, you had people that would start by rocking up early to the women's game, you know, mainly for the men's game, and that's absolutely fine. But in fact, as the competition went along, they're actually going, right, I want to be there for the women's game. You know, that, that was really good. I had a great experience. And I think that's what it's all about is actually gaining that exposure and, you know, getting a wider audience. You get, we had so many sort of young girls and boys coming along, you know, with their families. And that's the type of audience that we want to bring. Um, you know, we want to try and inspire the next generation. And, you know, the best way to do that, you know, growing up myself, I know that watching, I wanted to do what other people were doing. So I think, I think it was brilliant. Katie, thank you so much for your time. Very welcome. Uh, we'll let you go now. Um, and best of luck for everything in uh, the 2022 season and beyond. A massive thank you to Phoebe and Katie there again. End of episode one. Wasn't too bad, was it? Um, join us next time when we'll be speaking to Tabitha Hurst, who is the head of sustainability at Ella's Farm Distillery. See you next time. Mm-hmm.